pie catcher. A series of true stories of the unceasing search for enemy spies in water, based on the memoirs of Lieutenant Colonel Arrested Pinto of the Allied Counterintelligence Service. This week's story is entitled, Never Say Die. The part of Colonel Pinto is played by Bernard Archer. This is a very personal story. It began late in December 1944, when my headquarters were at Eindhoven in the South Holland. The Germans had broken through in the Ardennes, and the Battle of the Bowels was on. It was Christmas time, but I was feeling ill and overworked. And I went to Brussels to a military hospital for a checkup. To my surprise, I was given a very thorough examination. Exceptionally thorough. Hmm. Thank you, Colonel. I think that'll be all. Well, Doctor, what's the news? I'm afraid you must return to England, Colonel. I want you to take this envelope to the Cambridge Hospital at Aldershot. Or if you wish, to your own, Doctor. When will I be returning to duty, Doctor? I don't know. It's um, always difficult to say. Will I be returning to duty? You're not a very fit man, Colonel. We are returning you to England. Take this to your own doctor, and he will advise you. Doctor, you gave me a very thorough examination. If I can be told the results in London, why not now? Let's call it medical etiquette. Etiquette be damned. We're both soldiers. Quite true, Colonel, we are. This is a military order. You return to England. Now, I'm a very busy man, Doctor. I have many responsibilities. If I'm to return to England, I want to know why. All right. If you want to know why, you have a right to know. In my opinion, you're suffering from cancer of the abdomen. You wish to know more? Yes. Very well. In my opinion, it is an advanced cancer, and the second is in both lungs. That is why I'm sending you back to England. Will I... <clears throat> Will I have an operation? I don't think so. Well, I have many things to do, Doctor. I have reports to complete, security matters to attend to. How long do I have? Have things to settle. Try to settle them in the next two months. Thank you. But do take that letter to your own doctor. I'm sorry. Christmas is not the best time to have bad news. It was not the best time to have bad news. <laughs> I don't suppose there are any best times. As I stood at his desk, I remember wondering rather coldly, just how many men I'd sent from my room with only two months to live. And I returned to England, and I went to see my own doctor, a good friend who had a consulting room in Harley Street. He opened the sealed envelope, examined me again, and said he'd send for me. London was still under the blackout. The war news was bad, and life was miserable. It was made no better when he sent for me again on the very last day of the year. Hello, Colonel. How are you? 
Quite well. You do sit down. Make yourself comfortable. Thank you. I received the specialist's report this morning. You've been overworking. Seriously overworking. What you need only is a rest. How long? About two months. Tom, there's no need to go around in circles with me. Just tell me the truth. What truth? I know what was in the envelope I brought from Brussels. Did he tell you? Mm, I insisted. You make it very difficult. I was about to tell you. Just tell me the truth. I'm a trained interrogator. Remember? You're a trained interrogator. You know when a man is telling the truth. Yes. Very well. You're an important person, and you're my friend. I've had two specialists examine you, two brilliant colleagues. I have their reports. I'm telling you that we disagree with the Brussels diagnosis. What? Uh, by the way, did they x-ray you? No. There's nothing organically wrong with you. You have my word. Do you accept it? Well, what is wrong with me? You've been overworking. You're, you're suffering from nervous exhaustion. Serious nervous exhaustion. But there is nothing organically wrong. When did you last have a rest, a, a real rest from your work? Oh, not since Dunkirk. Four years, much too long. You've had a nervous breakdown. What you need is a good rest. Two months, maybe three. Then you'll be back on the job. Do you believe me? Yes. Good. And since tomorrow's New Year's Day, my first prescription is a large brandy. <laughs> there you are. And your good health. Good health. Thank you, Tom. And I'll do what you tell me. I'll rest. It's an order. It was, in fact... Three months before I was fit again and able to return to Eindhoven to take command of the Dutch counterintelligence mission. But I was really fit and ready for work. Good morning, Colonel. Good morning. Oh, it's good to see you back. Good to be back, Captain. What's it like over there now, sir? Oh, much the same. Not so many uniforms around. I did a spot of fishing, paid a lot of bridge. Looked up some old friends. Well, you are looking very fit, sir. Hmm, I am fit. What, um, what was the matter, sir? Oh, overstrain, overwork. You'll be next, Captain. Uh, yes, yes, sir. How are things here? Not too good. Oh, what's happened? You're short of staff, sir. Uh, who have we left? Just you and me, sir. And a three weeks' backlog of prisoners in the cells. Well, you better start right away. Um, let me see the prisoner list. Well, um... I'll start with uh, this one, Copeland. Right, sir. I'll have him brought in. Bring in, Copeland. I, uh, I thought you'd choose that one, sir. You found yourself a wolf in wolf's clothing. What do you mean? Well, when he was captured, he was wearing SS uniform. We are keeping him in it. Although he's screaming to be out of it. He says it was all a mistake. Well, how does he make that out? Well, according to him... Uh, come in. Sit down, please. Is that all, sir? Yes, thank you, Captain. Now, 
Age? 34. Born? Amsterdam. Date of birth? August the 22nd, 1910. Married? No. Religion? Protestant. Nationality? Dutch. Dutch? You are a Dutch citizen? Yes, sir. A loyal Dutch citizen. Are both your parents Dutch? Yes, sir. Their name, please. Paul and Maria Koopman. Mm-hmm. Born? Amsterdam. Your parents alive? No, sir. They are both dead. You say that you're a loyal Dutchman. Will you explain to me why you're wearing the uniform of the German SS? That is what I want to explain, sir. I'm waiting. Well, sir, it isn't easy for me to explain. The fact is, I was ordered to... I was instructed to join the SS. By whom? By a very loyal Dutchman, sir. A very important person. His name be? I can't tell you that, sir. Not at the moment. Why not? Before I can tell you anything, sir, I have a request to make. You are in charge of this camp. Yes. Will you move me to another wing, sir, and let me get out of this uniform? I've been held for two weeks with a crowd of Dutch Nazis and collaborators. It's dangerous for me, sir. They are dangerous people. Why is it dangerous? Most of them are there because of me. If I begin to tell you and, and it leaks back... It won't leak back. The security in this place is not as good as you think it is, sir. I know. I've been here two weeks. So you want to be transferred to another wing? Yes, sir. And you want to get out of that uniform? Yes, sir. I should have thought that you would have been proud of it. I'm not, sir. When you were instructed to join the SS, were you also instructed to win the Iron Cross? No, sir. That red ribbon in your uniform tells me that you were awarded the Iron Cross. It's awarded for bravery. Yes, sir. Did you win it in battle? Yes, sir. Tell me about it. Well, as a soldier in the SS, sir, I had to conduct myself as a good soldier uh, to do my other job. What was that other job? I told you, sir, that I was instructed to enlist in the SS. I was to obtain information about the Dutch Nazis in the regiment, particularly the officers, but also the men, and to pass this information back. Also the names of Dutch collaborators, the fifth column who were working in the SS regiment. Who did you pass this information on to? Well, this important person, sir. A very loyal Dutchman. His name, please. I'm sorry, sir. I can't give it to you. It would save a great deal of time, Kirkman, if you would just tell me his name. It will be in the strictest confidence. I can check it. And if what you say is true, you'll be cleared and out of here very quickly. I can tell you nothing, sir, while you keep me in this uniform and locked up with that bunch of Nazis. All right. I'll have you transfer. When we've finished our talk, you'll go to another wing. You'll have a room of your own. Now, tell me your story. And the uniform? We'll see about that. Were you captured in it? Yes, sir. It happened very quickly. There was no time to get out of it. That's part of the trouble. I was bundled along with the rest and pushed in here. Hmm. Well, tell me your story. Three years ago, sir, I was working with the Dutch Secret Service. You will understand this. Because of my appearance and height and fitness, I was asked if I would try and enlist in the SS and report on the traitors who were in it. Also, to try and find out the names of high-up fifth columnists who were in sympathy with it. I was told that it was a dangerous job. I applied, and I was accepted to the SS. As an officer? Oh, no, sir. You have to be a Nazi of long standing to go in as an officer. I was accepted as an ordinary soldier. That is the uniform of an officer? Yes, sir. I was commissioned in the field. Later, I won the Iron Cross. It was necessary that I should be a good soldier. It was a dangerous job, 
and it was safer if I conducted myself like a good soldier and a good officer. And did you obtain information? Yes, sir, a great deal of information. All that I was asked to find out. What happened to it? I passed it on. To this important person? Oh, no, sir, we didn't work like that. I had to report once a month to one of his liaison officers. How did you pass on this information? Did you go to his office? No, sir, we, we always met in the open. Where? At the time, I was stationed in Rotterdam. I met this man on the dockside, the Bumptures. And you passed on your information to him? Yes. How did you pass it on? In writing? Oh, no, sir, that would be dangerous. We just walked along the dockside and I told him. That way, it was very safe. A German, a Gestapo agent, would pay no attention to a Dutch civilian who was in friendly conversation with an SS man. You met this man often? Once a month. And you walked about the dockside, talking to him, passing this information? Yes. But if you can't tell me the name of your chief, you can tell me the name of this liaison officer. No, sir. Why not? He isn't so important. He'd be a junior officer. Perhaps I can trace him and bring him here. I wish you could, sir, but I never knew his name. And I never told him mine. In this kind of work, you must know this, sir. You don't give names and addresses. I didn't ask for his address. I asked for his name. I can trace it in the records and bring him here to see you. But I never knew his name. Well, I've come to your chief. Now, there must be some little thing you can safely tell me. So far, you've said that he's a loyal Dutchman and a very important person. You also mentioned the Secret Service. Was he in the Secret Service? Yes, sir. Now, did he work for the Secret Service, or was he in the Secret Service? He was in the Secret Service. And you're saying that you worked for the Secret Service? Yes. Was he a junior officer in the service, or a senior officer? A very senior officer. You worked directly to him? Yes. To undertake such a dangerous assignment from him, you must have had good assurance that he was a very senior officer. You must have known his name. What was his name? As you know, sir, there are certain names one never mentions. I was told that if you are working for the service, and if you are caught, or if you are in trouble, you are on your own. No one will help. I didn't realize it was quite so true. I am trying to help you. I think you're putting me in a very serious position. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll see this through in my own way. What do you mean by that? Please forget what I've said to you. Return me to the cell with the Nazis and the collaborators. It'll be safer. And I can work it out from there. As you wish. Now, please remember, Copeman, that the facts are these. You were captured two weeks ago in the uniform of an officer of the SS. You were captured together with other SS officers. They treat you as a brother officer. You're a holder of the Iron Cross. To be an officer in the SS, you must be an all-out Nazi. On the facts, that's what you are. Now, you come here and tell me a different story. But it's a story without fact or proof. You give me no fact that will confirm your story, nothing that I can check. You say you have this name? Yes. Coachman, I know the intelligence service much better than you do. In your position, you have nothing to fear by telling me his name. If there is a name. You say you can't reveal it at this moment. If you can't reveal it in the privacy of this room, where will you reveal it? In open court? Is that what you want? No, sir. I'll tell you. His name, please. Pinto. Colonel Pinto. Pinto? You worked directly to him? Yes. Did you meet him often? Yes, sir. Can you describe him to me? 
It's not very easy, sir. Is he uh, like me? No, sir. Not at all like you. He looks a, a very ordinary person. He's not easy to describe. But you'd know him again if you met him? Yes, sir. Hmm. I tell you what we'll do. I accept your request. I'll have you transferred to another wing. You'll have a room of your own. I'm very interested in the information you passed on to Colonel Pinto. It was the names of collaborators, fifth columnists, Dutch Nazis. Yes, sir. Well, could you spend some time trying to recall this information as accurately as you can and writing it down? I'll see that you get paper and pen and ink. Just write down everything you can remember, and anything you can remember about Colonel Pinto. Yes, sir. I'd be very pleased to do that. Well, I'll make out a transfer for you. I think you'll find it a comfortable room. Corporal. Yes? Um, attend to this transfer order and take Copeland to his new room. Yes, Captain Legas would like to see you, sir. Oh, send him in. This way, please. <clears throat> Come in, Captain. Have you transferred Copeland, sir? Yes. What do you know about him? Not very much, sir. Well, he says he was instructed to join the SS to spy for us. Was he? He was instructed by a senior member of the intelligence service, Colonel Pinto. You, sir? No. No, I didn't. But he says he'd recognize this Colonel Pinto if he met him. Someone impersonating you? Hmm. See that he has plenty of writing paper. Yes, sir. Spies are resolute people. Many of them have great courage, and they're adepts at seizing an opportunity. We gave Copeman plenty of writing paper and plenty of time. Captain Lagos had suggested the possibility that I was being impersonated. Well, it was possible. But I felt there was another factor behind Copeman's story. I waited three days, and then... Come in, please. No. Oh, your uniform. Oh, please forgive me. I'd quite forgotten. Oh, please sit down. Tell me, how's the writing coming along? Oh, very well. I'm sorry to have kept you at it so long, but I haven't had much luck in tracing your friend Colonel Pinto. No, sir. No. Now, perhaps you can help me. You met him several times. Yes, sir. Often? Oh, yes, sir, quite often. You're going to describe him to me. Yes, sir, but it isn't easy. Try. Is he at all like me? No, sir, not at all like you. He's a very ordinary person to look at. Uh, about medium height, medium build, uh, and dresses very ordinary, too, sir. Nothing you'd remember him by. What age would he be? About your age, sir. Perhaps a little younger, it's difficult to say. And his hair? Is he going grey? Is he bald? No, sir. He seemed to have just the right amount of hair for his age. Brown hair. A kind of mousy brown. But if you can't describe him, tell me about him. You met him several times. 
Where did you meet him? At his home? In an office? Oh, usually in the street, sir, at the docks. Once we met in a cafe when we were talking about enlisting in the SS. Was that the first job you did for him? No, sir. I'd done one or two jobs for him at the docks. Hmm. What kind of jobs? Ships, sir. Watching German ships and what they loaded. And when German ships came in damaged, trying to find out how they'd been damaged. And some would have been bombed or attacked at sea, but others would have been sabotaged. For instance, ships coming from Norwegian or Danish ports might have been sabotaged, and he wanted to know about this. The name of the ship, which port it came from, how much damage, how long it would take to repair. And you could find this out? Yes. Did anyone else know that you were doing this work? No, sir. I just worked to my chief. And after this, he asked you to enlist in the SS? <laughs> yes, sir, but it wasn't because I was particularly good at the work. It was because of my appearance and height. He thought they'd take me right away. Well, why would he put this proposition to you? It was a very dangerous one. He said he wanted a list of the really big collaborators, especially the fifth colonists, of the Dutch Nazis. He said they'd be talked about in the SS. He said I was the kind of person they'd take in the SS. And he asked if I'd enlist and get him this information. He just asked you to go and enlist? No, sir. I had very definite instructions. How I was to enroll, what replies I was to give to their questions. We rehearsed this on many evenings, walking round the docks. He had an exact copy of the questions they asked. He was very thorough. Once I was enlisted, he told me what to look out for and what information he wanted. And you had to pass it on to this liaison officer? Yes. You met him once a month? Yes. And you walked around the docks talking? Yes. Describe this officer. Well, sir, he was about five foot seven. He wore a dark jacket and a sailor's jersey. Sometimes he wore sea boots. I think he worked at the docks. Eh? About my age, sir. Hmm. You met and walked about the docks talking. But if you were talking, you must have had a name for him. What did you call him? There was no name, sir. Then what did he call you? Dirk? Copeman? What did he call you? We didn't use names. It's all so vague, isn't it? I'm afraid it is, sir. Much too vague. Copeman, listen to me. The last time we came to this point in your story, I told you the facts of your case. The provable facts. That you're a Dutch citizen, that you're an officer in the SS. You're a holder of an iron cross for your exploits as an SS officer. The gang you were captured with have a list of war crimes against them. You're a Nazi and a traitor, and the penalty is death. These are the facts. You've elected to prove that these facts are not true facts in your case. You've talked of secret service work. Being How many loyal Dutchmen have had to do this thing? I know. That's why twice I've listened patiently to your story, hoping in the telling to find one solid fact. Something I could check. Someone I could but tell the about. nature of this work... The nature it. of the work is this. The ability to discover facts and a facility for remembering them. You've told me that one of your jobs was to be around the docks to find out about damage to German ships, whether this was caused by bombing or by other means of attack or by sabotage. To discover the port from which the ship sailed and its cargo. The extent of the damage, how long it would take to repair. This information you would pass on by word of mouth, in conversation, walking about the docks. This would require an alert mind, keen observation, and an excellent memory for everything you've heard or seen. That is, if it's to satisfy an intelligence officer of the caliber you mentioned. Next, you enlist in the SS, and your job is to discover the names and histories of Dutch Nazis, the names and addresses and crimes of collaborators. None of this is to be written down, but to be remembered and passed on once a month. This, you tell me, you were able to do, the discovering and passing on of information. 
But when it comes to the two men with whom you're most closely concerned, and in whom I'm concerned, your chief and your liaison officer, what happens to this keen observation and this exceptional memory? I've given you a description. An utterly useless description. Of your chief, whom you say you met often, and in many different circumstances, you offer only the vaguest of vague descriptions. I gave you his name, sir. Yes, you did. Is there something you're holding back? I can't help you unless you try to help me. Yes, sir. There is something I was holding back. But I assure you that everything I've told you is true. Everything. I did work for him. And I did join the SS for him. But... But... Unfortunately, just before I was captured, sir, I've heard that he died. Died? Yes, sir. So you see... When? About three months ago. Where did he die? In England, sir. What did he die of? He became ill, sir, and was sent to England... What did he die of? Cancer. Well... Now that we have the facts, it won't take long. No, sir. He's the only man who can prove my innocence. Uh, I'm sure of that. How are you getting along with your writing? Oh, almost finished, sir. And when you have finished, give it to Captain Vegas, mark the envelope confidential, and address it to me. Yes, sir. I'll do that. May I have your name, sir? Pinto. Colonel Pinto. And still in good health. Coachman was tried and convicted and sentenced to life in prison. The rumor of my death had spread behind the enemy lines, but he was the only traitor to use it as a cover story. been listening to Spycatcher, with Bernard Archard as Colonel Areste Pinto. The script was written by Robert Barr, and the program produced for the BBC by Charles Maxwell.